Introduction Welcome to County Kildare, a place that has been at the centre of Irish history for millennia. Kildare is situated in the heart of Ireland's ancient east and has a long and fascinating story. Sometimes known as the Short Grass County, the landscape here is a mixture of fertile plains, rolling hills and extensive bogs and is dotted with a range of historic sites. Kildare is on the doorstep of Dublin and has long been a portal between the capital and the rest of Ireland. This guide will give you a flavour of some of the people and places that have shaped Kildare. Ancient Kildare The fertile plains of Kildare have attracted people for millennia, stretching back to the time of the first settlers in Ireland over 10,000 years ago. In the east of the county, near the town of Ballymore Eustace, an ancient stone circle at Broadleys gives an insight into the rituals and religion of the Bronze Age, over 3,000 years ago. Another important prehistoric ritual landscape lies just to the northwest of the Punchestown Racecourse. Here you can find a complex of Bronze Age barrows and the Longstone, one of Ireland's tallest standing stones. This long, tapering finger of granite stands over 7 metres, or 23 feet tall. When the stone fell and was re-erected in 1930, a prehistoric burial dating back over 3,000 years was discovered at its base. Perhaps the most iconic feature of Kildare is the Great Plain of the Curra, which covers almost 5,000 acres between the towns of Newbridge and Kildare. This grassy plain is a unique landscape and has been an important place for thousands of years. It was the site of ancient assemblies known as Anoks, where prehistoric peoples came together for sporting contests, trade and marriage ceremonies. Anoch Litha and Anoch Carmen were the two most important assemblies that took place on the Curra. They were formal affairs which took place every three years during August and lasted up to a week. They drew crowds from across the Kingdom of Leinster and were presided over by chieftains and kings who passed laws and issued decrees. Funerary rituals were also held during these fairs. The entire Curra Plain is speckled with prehistoric burial sites known as ring ditches and ring barrows. These date from the Bronze Age and the Iron Age, between two and four thousand years ago. The presence of so many burials may explain why the land here was never ploughed or cultivated and why it remained common land accessible to all. To the southeast of the Curra, the large hill of Knockallan dominates the skyline. This hilltop is home to one of the old royal sites of Ireland, Dunallan. It was once the ancient seat of the kings of Leinster, one of the five kingdoms of ancient Ireland. Archaeological excavations carried out at Dunallan in the 1970s revealed that the hilltop had several phases of development and use and appears to have been a key ceremonial site between the 4th century BC and 4th century AD. 
Many of the archaeological features identified on the Curra date to the time of Dunorlan, and it is likely that the Curra was part of an extended ritual landscape that was intimately connected to this royal place. Intriguingly, it has been suggested that there is a line of sight between Nogorlan and the Hill of Tara, the seat of the High Kings of Ireland, located over 50 kilometres away to the north. The famed Slidola also ran through the plains of Kildare. This was one of the five roads that led to the Hill of Tara, which are said to have magically sprung up on the night of the birth of Khan of the Hundred Battles. To the northwest of the Curra, you can find another sacred landscape, Cnuch Almu, the Hill of Allen. In Irish mythology, this was the seat of Fionn one of ancient Ireland's most famous warriors. His band of troops, known as the Fianna, are said to have used the Curra as a training ground, and Fionn himself went hunting on the plains with his hounds Bran and Skjolan. Today the hill is surmounted by a 19th century tower built by George Aylmer. The names of those who worked on the tower are carved on each of the steps. It is said that when the tower was being constructed, a large coffin with human bones was unearthed. These were reputedly the bones of Fionn himself. However, it is with the arrival of a devout woman that Kildare became truly renowned throughout Ireland and the Christian world. St. Bridget St. Bridget, Ireland's foremost female saint, founded a church here in Kildare around 480 AD. Indeed, the name Kildare derives from the Irish Kildara, meaning Church of the Oak. Over time, Kildare developed into a great monastic city and became one of the most important towns in Ireland, a celebrated home to both monks and nuns. Bridget, whose name means exalted one, is still venerated across Ireland. Her feast day, on February the 1st, is still celebrated to this day by making St. Bridget's crosses from intertwined rushes. The present-day cathedral and round tower mark the site of Bridget's first wooden church in Kildare. The round tower dates from the 12th century and is one of the tallest in Ireland. Round towers are a uniquely Irish feature. For centuries, scholars debated about what exactly these iconic Irish round towers were actually used for, with ideas ranging from them serving as lookout points or refuges in case of Viking raids. However, it is likely that round towers were primarily bell towers. Even their name in Irish, Chach, translates to bell house. The towers would have also been highly visible markers in the landscape, serving as a lighthouse to weary pilgrims who knew that a round tower meant a monastic site, where they can buy accommodation and warm food for the night. The round tower of Kildare is one of only two in Ireland that can still be climbed to this day. Bridget remains something of an enigmatic figure, and many of the stories associated with her are influenced by a pre-Christian goddess, also called Bridget. 
Indeed, the saint's feast day coincided with the important pre-Christian feast of Imbolc. Saint Bridget also had similar traits of healing and learning as her pagan namesake. There are many miracles associated with Bridget. One of these relates to the Curra, which lies to the east of Kildare town. It was said that the King of Leinster had a terrible physical deformity. His ears were shaped like those of a donkey. Bridget promised to cure him of this affliction in return for some land. She was true to her word and cured the king, so he promised her as much land as her cloak would cover. But when she laid her cloak on the ground, it miraculously spread in all directions until it covered the entire Curra Plain. Monastic Kildare Kildare Town was not the only place which felt the impact of Christianity. Important monastic settlements developed around the county. These were often marked by round towers and beautifully carved high crosses. In addition to Kildare Town, there are four other round towers in the county. At Castle Dermot, in the south of the county, the tower marks the monastic hermitage of St. Dermot. The monastery at Old Kilcullen is sited on a hilltop, and the round tower here was in a good state of preservation until the 1798 rebellion. It was damaged during the fighting, as rebels used the tall tower to fire down on the British forces. There are more examples of round towers at Tahardo, near Maynooth, and Uktarad. High crosses were symbols of monastic prestige and boundary markers, while their detailed carvings were used for religious instruction. Kildare has a number of fine examples, including those at Castle Dermot and Old Kilcullen, but the village of Moon is home to the most spectacular example. The remarkable high cross at Moon stands over five metres tall and dates from the 8th century. The biblical scenes depicted on the high cross include Adam and Eve being tempted by the serpent, Daniel in the lion's den, and the flight into Egypt. The monastery at Moon was dedicated to St. Columkill. He was also known as Columba and is associated with numerous sites across Ireland, along with Iona in Scotland. Together with Patrick and Bridget, he is considered one of Ireland's most renowned and well-travelled saints. The northwest of County Kildare is covered in a vast expanse of bog. A distinctive monastic community developed here at Lullymore. This was founded by Bishop Erk in the 5th century. He was a former druid to the High King of Ireland who was converted to Christianity by St. Patrick. The secluded location of the monastery made it an ideal place for religious instruction and worship. The surrounding bogland also protected Lullymore from marauding Vikings and other raiders. Other parts of Kildare were not so lucky. In the 9th and 10th centuries, Viking raids were common across the county, as they sought plunder and captives to sell as slaves. The Annals of the Four Masters recorded that on one raid of the monastery of Old Kilcullen in 944 AD, over 1,000 people were captured and taken into slavery by the Vikings. Over time, 
the Vikings began to establish settlements in Ireland and they became entwined with the local population. Intriguing evidence of this can be seen at Castle Dermot, where you can find a distinctly Norse hogback grave. This is a carved grave marker, or House of the Dead, of Scandinavian origin, and this example in Castle Dermot is the only hogback grave in Ireland. Similar monuments can be found in North Yorkshire and Northumbria, where they are generally believed to date to the 10th or early 11th century. That someone was buried in a Norse tradition within a Christian burial ground points to a distinct intermingling of faith and custom. It was, however, the arrival of another wave of invaders in the following century that forever changed Ireland and Kildare. The Normans in Kildare The Normans conquered England in 1066 and arrived in southeast Ireland in the late 12th century. They were invited over from Wales by Dermot McMurrah, King of Leinster, who wanted help to defeat his Irish enemies. In exchange for their help, Dermot's daughter Aoife married the Norman leader Richard de Clare, who was known as Strongbow. When Dermot died in 1171, Strongbow became Lord of Leinster, and thereafter the Norman influence quickly spread. He used the Curragh as his military headquarters, from which he carved up the lands of Leinster among his Norman lords and knights. He chose Kildare Town as his power base, and built a Norman Martin Bailey fortification here. Strongbow's lands in Ireland passed to his daughter Isabel, who married William Marshall. Marshall was described as being the greatest knight that ever lived. It was he who transformed Strongbow's Martin Bailey into the stone fortress of Kildare Castle. Kildare developed into an important centre of Anglo-Norman administration and trade. Other towns across the county were also established and flourished during the 13th century. Castle Dermot and Athy became defensive outposts guarding the route from Dublin southwards to Kilkenny and Waterford. Numerous sittings of Parliament were held in medieval Kildare and Castle Dermot, indicating the national importance of these places. The growth of towns went hand in hand with the arrival of monastic orders from Europe during the 13th century. The Anglo-Norman lords played an important part in supporting these new religious houses. Three abbeys were founded in Kildare town during this century by the Franciscans, the Carmelites and the Knights Hospitallers. The Franciscans also had a presence in Castle Dermot, while the Dominicans and the Crutched Friars founded monasteries in Athy. Other monasteries were established at Nace, Clane, Monaster Evan and Selbridge. The Fitzgerald Earls From the 14th century onwards, Norman families intermarried and integrated with the native Irish clans. The English influence waned and was confined to an area around Dublin known as the Pale. Kildare stood at the edge of this English area of influence and as a result was the scene of continual raids and conflicts. This turbulence set the scene for the emergence of the Fitzgerald dynasty. In 
The Fitzgeralds were one of the leading Anglo-Norman families in Ireland in the 14th century. Their profile was boosted considerably in 1316 when King Edward II raised John Fitzthomas Fitzgerald to the Earldom of Kildare for his services during Edward the Bruce's invasion of Ireland. By the late 15th century, the Fitzgeralds had reached their zenith. For over 50 years, in the late 15th to the middle of the 16th century, Ireland was not ruled from Dublin. It was ruled from Kildare, by the Fitzgeralds from their castle in Maynooth. This brought huge wealth to the family and Maynooth Castle was richly decorated. Gerald Fitzgerald was trusted by King Henry VII to rule Ireland in his name. His son, Garoid Og, was Lord Deputy of Ireland for King Henry VIII three times. Garoid Og had unprecedented power and jealously guarded his family's interests. When he was summoned to London in 1534 by King Henry VIII, he left his son Thomas as deputy governor in his absence. Thomas was a flamboyant young hothead, known as Silken Thomas for the silk his men wove into their helmets. A false rumour spread that the Earl had been executed by the King and a furious Silken Thomas rose in rebellion against the English. He laid siege to Dublin and appeared to have the upper hand. However, Crown forces took his own stronghold of Maynooth and slaughtered the inhabitants. Silken Thomas was then captured and brought to London, where he heard that his father had actually died of natural causes. Thomas was brutally executed along with his five uncles, each of them being hung, drawn and quartered. The following 150 years was a violent and stormy period in Irish history as Irish clans, Anglo-Irish lords and English monarchs grappled for supremacy. This struggle is embodied in the gaunt ruins at Jigginstown Castle outside Nace. This manorial house was built for Thomas Wentworth, Earl of Strafford, who served as the Lord Deputy of Ireland from 1633 to 1640. He was a strong supporter of King Charles I, and it is said that he had Jigginstown constructed to serve as a summer residence for himself and as a palace for King Charles should the King visit Ireland. However, he was recalled to London to advise Charles. He became embroiled in the political machinations that would lead to the English Civil War. He was arrested on orders from Parliament, and the King he had served so loyally had no choice but to sign his death warrant. He was beheaded, and the fine castle of Jigginstown was never completed. Kildare suffered in particular during the Confederate Wars that erupted across Ireland in the 1640s. Nearly all the principal towns in the county were attacked at one stage or another during this lengthy conflict. This period of unrest also coincided with the English Civil War. After the parliamentary victory in the Civil War, Oliver Cromwell brought his veteran troops over to Ireland to smash the uprising and to reassert English parliamentary control over Ireland. They massacred the garrison of Drogheda after a bloody siege in 1649 before going on to take the key ports of Wexford, Waterford and Duncannon. Cromwell and his forces took many other towns across Ireland, including the Kildare towns of Nace, Kildare, Athy and Castle Dermot. 
By 1660, it is estimated that famine, warfare and disease had wiped out between a fifth and a quarter of the Irish population. The Cromwellian settlement was incredibly harsh on the Irish Catholic population. Vast tracts of land were given to English speculators who had helped to finance Cromwell's invasion. The 1652 Act for the Settlement of Ireland identified treasonous landowners who then forfeited their land. If they were lucky, they were transplanted to Connacht. Others were transported to the Americas, the Caribbean and other English colonies to work in horrendous conditions as indentured labourers. A great many others were executed. To compound the misery, Ireland became a theatre of war for international and religious politics in the 1690s. Catholic forces supporting James II, known as Jacobites, fought with the Protestant supporters of William of Orange, known as Williamites, to decide who would become the King of England, Scotland and Ireland. Things did not start well for the Jacobites when they were defeated at the Battle of the Boyne. Although relatively few casualties were suffered on either side, an estimated 1,500 Jacobites and 500 Williamites, it still scared James II enough that he decided to flee the battlefield and Ireland and exiled himself safely in France. The war continued in his absence and became far more bloody, with devastating sieges, particularly at Athlone and Limerick. The Williamite forces broke the Jacobite field army at the bloody Battle of Ockram, where over 8,000 men lost their lives. Ockram is thought to have been the bloodiest battle on Irish soil. By October 1691, Jacobite resistance ended and William of Orange became King of England, Scotland, Wales and Ireland. He introduced the severe penal laws that restricted life for Catholics by banning priests and putting strong limits on the amount of land or property a Catholic could own, as well as banning them from voting. This extensive, intricate and oppressive legislation continued into the 19th century. William Connolly and Castletown The demise of the old Irish order and the rise of a new Protestant ascendancy class in the early 18th century led to a new period of stability and prosperity in Kildare. The fertile lands of the county came into the ownership of wealthy individuals who constructed magnificent houses to express their newfound status. County Kildare boasts some fine period houses, such as Carton House near Maynooth, the Lyons Estate on the banks of the Grand Canal and Castle Martin on the River Liffey. Undoubtedly the most splendid of all is the 18th century Castletown House near Selbridge. Castletown House was built by William Speaker Connolly, who was Ireland's richest and most powerful man in the early 18th century. He was born in Ballyshannon, County Donegal, in 1662 and trained as a lawyer in Dublin. He specialised in land transfers and soon he had made a substantial fortune providing legal services for Protestants who had been granted land previously owned by Catholics. Connolly acquired land in eight Irish counties along with estates in Wales, which brought him an annual rental income of £25,000. 
Connolly was elected to the Irish Parliament for Donegal in 1692. In subsequent years, he was appointed to several important public offices, the most significant being Speaker of the House in 1715, from which he earned his nickname Speaker Connolly. In 1707, he purchased lands at Castletown, within easy reach of Dublin. Construction of the mansion commenced in 1722. Its design was influenced by the Italian architect Alessandro Galilei. The noted Irish architect of the day, Edward Lovett Pierce, had a hand in overseeing construction. Castletown sits in the middle of 120 acres of landscaped gardens. A guided tour of the house is the best way to get a full appreciation of this architectural marvel. Notable features include the Long Gallery, an 80-foot room on the first floor that was used to entertain guests. Magnificent decorative stucco plasterwork by the Lafranchini brothers adorns the house, while the staircase, with its brass balustrades, is another eye-catching feature. The scale of Castletown alone, quite apart from its design, make it hugely impressive. As one 18th-century commentator remarked, This I believe to be the only house in Ireland to which the term palace can be applied. Eighteenth-century Kildare Under the influence of wealthy aristocratic families, Kildare developed as an important centre of industry and commerce in the 18th century. The most celebrated Kildare entrepreneur of the time is Arthur Guinness, the renowned brewer of the Black Stout which is today enjoyed all over the world. He was born in 1725 to a Protestant family. Arthur's mother was a native of the Uchtarad area, while his father hailed from nearby Selbridge. In 1752, he was left a hundred pounds in the will of his godfather, Arthur Price, who was Archbishop of Cashel. He used this bequest to set up his first brewery in Leakslip in 1755. Four years later, he established another brewing enterprise at St. James's Gate in Dublin, famously taking a 9,000-year lease on the four-acre site. From the 1780s onwards, he concentrated exclusively on the production of stout and began exporting to Britain. Following Arthur's death in 1803, his son, also named Arthur, took over the brewing business and it continued to grow and prosper, eventually becoming the greatest brewing dynasty in the world. The peace and prosperity of Kildare was shattered by the events of 1798 when the United Irishmen rose in rebellion against British rule. Kildare was at the heart of the conflict, and in early 1798, there were almost 11,000 United Irishmen in the county. Lord Edward Fitzgerald, of the famed Kildare family, was a prominent rebel leader. Theobald Wolfe Tone, leader of the United Irishmen, also had strong links with Kildare. Lord Edward was arrested in Dublin in May 1798, but nevertheless the county rose in defiance on May 24th, when the towns of Nace, Clane, Prosperous and Ballymore Eustace were attacked. The rebels were successful initially, and won an important victory at the ancient monastic site of Old Kilcullen. However, British troops soon regained the upper hand. 
the slaughter of over 300 Irish rebels at Gibbet Rath on the Curra has gone down as one of the bloodiest acts of the conflict and contributed to the defeat of the Rising in Kildare. Modern Kildare Today, Kildare is a prosperous county at the centre of many aspects of Irish life. The county boasts an incredible sporting legacy. One of Ireland's most famous sons was the boxer Dan Donnelly, who defeated the English champion George Cooper on the Curragh in 1815. The fight took place in front of an estimated 20,000 spectators in a natural amphitheatre, afterwards immortalised as Donnelly's Hollow. Depressions in the ground were reputedly made by Donnelly as he left the scene victorious. A monument was erected at the site to commemorate one of the most famous sporting victories in Irish history. Kildare was also an important place at the dawn of motorsport, and Kildare Town was a vital control point during the 1903 Gordon Bennett Cup, the ancestor of modern Grand Prix races. The race was over a figure of eight circuit that incorporated parts of Kildare, Leash and Carlo. The cup was won by the Belgian driver Camille Janazzi, who was nicknamed the Red Devil because of his wild driving style. The race is still commemorated annually on the June Bank holiday weekend by the local Vintage and Classic Car Club. The county is also celebrated for its many golf clubs, perhaps most notably the K Club, that has hosted many of the most prestigious international tournaments. Kildare is probably best known today as the headquarters of Ireland's world-renowned horse racing industry, which is centred upon the Curra. Horse racing has taken place on the open plains since the early 18th century and possibly before. The modern racing track is a top-class facility and a great venue for a day out. The Irish Derby is the most prestigious event and is held here annually. Close to Kildare Town, the Irish National Stud is a leading centre of thoroughbred breeding and many of the top trainers and jockeys have chosen to base themselves in and around the Curragh. The Curragh is also home to Ireland's defence forces, reflecting a long history of military activity on the plains dating back to Fionn McCool, the current military camp was built by the British in the mid-19th century and was the scene of some key events during the struggle for Irish independence in the early 20th century. The Curragh Military Museum relates the history of military activity and displays numerous military artefacts. Maynooth University, in the north of the county, has a long-established reputation as a centre of education and learning. Throughout the 19th and 20th centuries, it was Ireland's most important seminary for training Catholic priests, and it is still the headquarters of the Irish Catholic hierarchy. Today, it is a bustling university town with a diverse student population. Many of the key transport arteries of Ireland that radiate out from Dublin pass through Kildare. The Royal and Grand Canals were busy with commercial traffic 200 years ago. Nowadays, they are tranquil recreational amenities. Rail arrived in the 19th century and major motorways now traverse the county. In keeping with Kildare's history as a centre of markets, trade and commerce, 
Kildare Village was opened in 2006 and is home to high-end international and domestic fashion brands offering a unique retail experience. Conclusion We hope that you enjoyed the story of County Kildare and that you will return and visit our county again. If you would like to continue the story of Kildare, please visit our website, apartaheritage.ie, where you can find out more about Kildare's heritage. As we say in Irish, Gunairi an Boherlath, may the road rise to meet you.